It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rush. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Over and I'm wide. Yeah, well, you're half right. What is this, amateur hour? This is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Y'all ready for this? Thank God it's... That's right, it's Friday, and it's time for the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. Alongside Adam Lundy, I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith. Welcome to your daily sports fix from 4 to 6. We'll have you covered here for the next couple of hours before we send you out to the Homestead versus Northrop boys and girls basketball game tonight as the high school game of the week. Got a good show here for you today. Joining us in the first hour, Michael McIntyre. Yes, that Michael McIntyre, a familiar name around here to talk about the city bowling championships that are happening here in the next couple weeks. And then we'll have Kent Sterling come on and impart his wisdom on the Colts search and some other topics of choice. But, you know, since it's a Friday and we've got snow in the area, change it up a little bit this week. This last this Friday before our big weekend, Adam, let's take a look at some of the big sports headlines that are happening around the world today. All right, let's do it, Shannon. Well, the Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale will visit Indianapolis this week for a second interview for the Colts head coach vacancy. Martindale, interim head coach Jeff Saturday, Broncos defensive coordinator Ijiro Ivero and Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris have been called back for in-person interviews thus far. The Los Angeles Rams are in the process of hiring former New York Jets offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur, a source confirmed today. The move comes after LaFleur and the Jets parted ways and Rams offensive coordinator Liam Cohen left Sean McVay's staff to return to the Kentucky Wildcats. The Indiana women toppled number two Ohio State and firmed up their projected number one seed with a 78-65 victory in front of 10,455 fans at Simon Scott Assembly Hall last night, the largest crowd for an Indiana women's regular season game. Great job to the Hoosiers fans getting out there to support their team. And in the NBA, the all-star starters have been announced for this year's all-star game in the East. We're looking at Giannis. Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, and Kyrie Irving. In the West, the all-star starters are LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Zion Williamson, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic. Some of the biggest snubs that have been thrown out there by the media and fans so far include Shea Gilgis-Alexander in the West, John Morant in the West, and Sabonis out there on the West. All potential could have been starters and in the east some potential snubs that have been mentioned are joel Embiid and james harden so those are your top stories that i've got for you today shannon yeah a little little change up on the first part of the sports rush we were talking a little bit about that nba 
All-Star Game. I'm not a big fan of All-Star Games in today's world. I, you know, I think, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. I just don't um, see the value in them as much anymore. But, like you said, there are some interesting uh uh, components of the NBA All-Star Weekend, per se. You know, the different skill shootings and those type of things that you probably enjoy watching, right? Yeah, I'm always a big fan of the dunk contest, the three-point contest, the skills challenge. Those are fun. And I'm always a fan of seeing the exciting uh, in-game plays. I know they don't play a whole lot of defense, but it's still <laughs> it's still exciting to see the uh, the fun, you know, alley oops and and you know in-game dunks and stuff like right. that. It, and and you know they like to start pulling threes from from 40 feet out. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just it's funny. It's 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 almost like a like a circus of the best of the NBA. It's it's funny. Yeah. It, I I enjoy it. Yeah, and you know I I if I had to choose one that I probably enjoy the most i would probably say the major league baseball all-star uh games uh or that little three-day holiday weekend Mm -hmm. for the all-star game because they are actually technically playing for home field advantage in the world series so you know i can go back and forth on it but i just haven't you know the last few years the nfl is basically dismantled yeah. There's to a to a point now where it's not even held at the normal time anymore. Well, you know, the uh, Parkview Sports Medicine text line is 46862 yeah. if anybody wants to weigh in with their thoughts about the current state of any of the major oh. sports' all-star games or celebrations, do you still enjoy them? Which yeah, one is nay. which one is your favorite? Let us know 46862. Yeah. But That'd yeah, be a I, perfect uh, text line. There we go. Opportunity for us. Today. I was a little bit surprised about the lack of inclusion of Joel Embiid in the yeah, East. Yeah, you know, it, and that's the other thing you get into the dynamics of, you know, it's a fan vote. I think that's like 50% of it. Mm-hmm. Then you've got some players are in there, like 25, the media. The media. So you're going to have some of that sometimes. And, you know, I, unless a guy's got in his contract about a huge bonus or something, if he makes the all-star game, which I'm sure they don't, <laughs> um, you know, that were, you could see that were be a issue of, of topic, so to speak. Yeah. Another, uh, starter that another, some people said might have been snubbed and this is in the East is, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Yep. Well, and, and the other thing, with him, is he going to be healthy right now? And that's the thing. And we don't know when he's going to make it back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Pacers, have, they've got a big game coming up tonight against the Bucks. We'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit. Uh, but how about the Boilermakers? What can I say? Um, yeah. You know, we're going to have the play-by-play gentleman join us this afternoon. Rob Blackman coming up later in the show in second hour. But the Hunter, Hunter Dickinson, Zach Eady matchup, you know, Eady had 19 points. Dick, Dickinson had uh, 21. Uh, that was an interesting uh, matchup to see. Um, you know, there were some phantom calls. It's funny because, you know, Matt Painter had yeah. really set it up the day before about a lot of calls that were not being called on Zach Eady. But... <laughs> It ended up being the reverse because there were calls last night that Dickinson got mm-hmm. that were, I think, phantom calls. I mean, really and honestly. But that's kind of how it goes sometimes. You know, big win, 75-70. to 70, Their second win at Chrysler Arena up in Ann Arbor in their last nine games up there. So the number one boilers do what they're supposed to do. 
go on a road, hostile environment, win a game, five, you know, one by five. And we'll talk a little bit about Fletcher, uh, lawyer from Homestead. He had a big game last night. Uh, that kid can play. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I want to get uh, Rob's take on how he sees him. Uh, and and even Caleb first is is having contribution have is having minutes of contribution on the court. Now he didn't have much last night, but Fletcher, man, that kid, I tell you, you know, he's just one of those kids that you see him do it in high school and he does it quietly and um, everybody's kind of like, who is this kid? Next thing you know, he's at Purdue, and that's what everybody's saying now. Who is this kid? <laughs> you know, and I bet you if you ask Matt Painter, he knows exactly who this kid is because he's in uh, giving him the minutes to go out and play. So big one there uh, for the Boilers. We'll talk in the second hour about, the, but about that, and then they have Michigan State coming up on Sunday, so not too much time to... Uh, enjoy, so to speak. I would, you know, uh, the victory, the 24 hour rule by Matt Painter was probably in effect because they've got Sparty coming up and that'll be a good one. As always, um, you can bet they'll, they'll be ready to play. And then, uh, you talked about this yesterday, you know, Frank Wright getting the head coaching job at the Carolina Panthers. And that kind of came out of left field. But Wilkes, the coach that was there, who had been previously the coach with the Cardinals, and he was there for, I think, one season. Correct. Well, there was a big lawsuit that his uh, attorney filed against the Cardinals for that dismissal. And now, with what's happened to him at Carolina, he took a team that was 1-4, and four, when Matt Rule was dismissed, they had shipped off Christian McCaffrey. I mean, they had basically given away their best player in some respects. He comes in there and basically goes six and six. Now, that's a lot better than what Mr. Saturday did. <laughs> and uh, they picked Frank Wright to come in. And so now, not only has he got problems with what happened to him in Arizona, mm-hmm. he now has big problems with way... Uh, the Panthers and their organizations uh, organization has treated him and his candidacy there in Carolina. And uh, I'm not so sure we're not going to see a little bit more on this as it pertains to uh, a minority coach uh, being uh, not picked. And really, when you lay things side by side, I guess you have to question that sometimes as to why. And, you know, look, ownerships and things like that, uh, you know, it's their club. You know, it's kind of a free reign, so to speak, on who they want to hire and such. But when you look what he did there under the circumstances that he did, Wilkes, um, it got a, I think he's got a point in some respects. Because I wouldn't necessarily say that he was a Matt Rule guy um, when he came there. And uh, so that one you're going to keep an eye on because I don't think it's going to go away here very much. Uh, And we're going to hear a lot more about that, especially with some of these other open jobs, right? So that's another one that's kind of come out of... Uh, that scenario at the playoffs on Sunday, 49ers and Eagles. I'm ready. 
Who do you like between the 49ers and the Eagles? I'll take the Eagles. I just think, uh, you know, the, the the Niners have a great team, but it's a you know it's a quarterback league, and I think that they have a better quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Yeah, that's that's a realistic observation, and you could say for the most part they've kind of had one of those years that's kind of their year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just feel like they have a lot of momentum. Sirianni's done a good job. Colts probably kick them themselves because <laughs> they should have kept him. But, uh, you know, you got Jalen Hurts' year that he's had. I yeah. mean, he's made a, uh, a believer out of me, honestly. Um, wow. From the standpoint is I just didn't think when he went into, the, uh, you know, having been passed up at Alabama, then he transfers to Oklahoma, does some good things there, goes in the – I just didn't think he was going to be where he's at in some respects this early, but he has done a phenomenal job. And Sirianni can – got to tip your hat to him too because yeah. he takes a lot of credit in his development but and play calling. But uh, he is right now believing in everything he, he throws in – his ability to make up for any mistakes with his feet and get out on the perimeter. So, mm-hmm. and then you got Brock Purdy. So it's kind of an interesting story. Definitely coming into into Sunday's matchup. I think you're right. I think this is Philadelphia's game to lose. Right, right. I mean, do I still think the Niners could win this oh, yeah. game? Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that yeah, you're saying it is their game to lose. Yeah. The Eagles. And I think you got to go with it, too, is how big a game does Bosa have for the Niners? And does yeah. he cause a lot of problems for Hurt? And uh, and then the 49ers, can they run the football? Because that's the thing. They're not uh, – Brock Purdy's not a 45-attempt type of quarterback. No. He is a good enough quarterback to – if they've got a great, good enough running game where the play-action passing game can help him out, use the drop back when needed – that type of ball distribution, kind of what they did last week, um, that's where he'll thrive. But if he has to be a guy that, you know, he's got to throw 45 passes because they get down, mm-mm, that's not him, you know, in that regard. So that'll be a big one. And then how about this one? Uh, the Bengals and the Chiefs. I yeah. mean, that one, too, is a rematch. So you got that going. Um, and it's at basically at the same place. Mm-hmm. Only difference this time is Mahomes is not going to be a hundred percent. Yep, I think that's kind of been the biggest factor that everybody's been talking about in regards to this game is, mm-hmm. is, is the is the health of Patrick Mahomes is and will he be able to perform perform at one hundred percent? Well, right, and I think the whole thing there, as we talked about a little bit, alluded to this yesterday, is can Kansas City um, be able to run some run the ball a little bit more effectively to take off some of the pressure of Mahomes because Mahomes is not going to be able to do any type of his magic outside the pocket where he's where he just kills everybody because he's just not going to be mobile enough um I don't think there's you know I don't think there's any speculation he's not going to play um but I think he's going to be one of those guys that can really get it done and and we'll see what happens on Sunday evening yeah, and before we go to break here, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that uh, our hearts and thoughts are mm-hmm. with the East Side High School uh, family. They lost um, they lost Lane Burns, their yeah. assistant wrestling coach, in a tragic accident. Yeah, uh, last night. So, mm. 
just wanted to say uh, before we go to break that our, our thoughts and prayers and hearts go out to everybody uh, that knew him, everybody that his life was affected by him, and uh, really, really sad news yeah, on the sad, east side. Yeah, sad, sad story there up in in Butler and uh, big tragedy there. And on top of that one, we lost the legend in college basketball analysis. Billy Packer passed away at 82 uh, I believe yesterday evening. Uh, and so, uh, legend is gone from us and, uh, all way too early, but our heart, our sympathies go out to the East side community and, uh, the, the family of the coach and the, and the wrestling program up there at East side high school. We're going to be right back. We'll come back and get talking with Michael McIntyre about the City Bowling Championships here on a Friday edition of the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to a Friday edition of the Sports Rush. Just a couple cleanup matters here. We've got the high school uh, high school basketball game of the week coming up right after us. And then the Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons at Cleveland State is stream-only tonight. 1380thefan.com will give you the link for that ball game. 645 pregame with Brett Rump. Tip-off for the Mastodons at Cleveland State. And right now, we're going to talk a little bit about city bowling championships that are going to take place here over the next couple of weeks. And joining us now on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline is Michael McIntyre, who is no stranger to 1380 and the Wo Wolf. Michael, thanks for joining us. How you doing? Doing pretty good, Shannon. Thanks for having me on this yeah. afternoon. It's definitely a busy time of the year regardless. Yeah, and a few minutes ago, it looked like a blizzard was happening outside the window over here at the studio. It was on the south side of Fort Wayne, but it's come and gone. I'm happy to see that, and... But uh, you're going to look sound like a busy week coming up here pretty soon with the um, 103rd edition of the Open City uh, Championship Tourney uh, coming up here in Fort Wayne for bowling. Why don't you fill us in a little bit on kind of what's going on with that and some of the uh, favorites that may be playing in the tourney? Well, actually, the tournament kicked off just this past weekend. Uh, it's divided into three different sections for the tournament. There is the singles competition, which most everybody associates with it. Then you have the doubles competition, which is obviously two people. And then the team event, that is a five-person team. The singles and doubles events are taking place at uh, MVP Lanes this year, while the team event is taking place at Thunderbolt on the south side. Everybody on behalf of the uh, Greater Fort Wayne United States Bowling Congress Really appreciates everybody at MVP Lanes and Thunderbolt for hosting the tournament this year. It's the 103rd edition for the Open City Championship, which there is. Uh, you can be either male or female to compete in the open event, but also running simultaneously. The ladies actually are hosting their 99th edition of the City Championship. So definitely some historic events that are taking place this uh, past weekend. It'll be ongoing here for the duration for the rest of January, and then we're going to be ongoing through the early portions of the month of February. Singles and double shifts going to be running both Saturday and Sunday at MVP Lanes. Team events are actually going to be running as well this weekend at Thunderbolt, both Saturday and Sunday. So it's kind of just a hodgepodge of where everybody's going to be at both last week, this coming weekend, and for the weeks to come. And definitely a busy time of the year and something we look forward to. Well, yeah, you mentioned the historical nature to it, 103rd edition. You know, you know, bowling in Fort Wayne does have some historic perspective, doesn't it? 
Yes, it does. In fact, years ago, in the early days of the Coliseum, before, I believe, the ice originally went in for the uh, beginning of the Comets, in the olden days of the old American Bowling Congress, um, one of the editions of the old ABC Masters actually took place during a temporary setup on what is now the Coliseum floor, so the best <laughs> within the country came to compete in that event way back in the mid-50s, so it just further adds the history to the event, plus you had all the various other centers across Fort Wayne that have come and gone as far as bowling alleys are concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, the olden days, people remember the old Hillcrest Lanes, which yeah. are now uh, Thunder Bowl. There used to be the Northcrest Lanes, which are now basically where the shopping center is that used to exist, and then various other centers. You had Westwood and a lot of other places, and surprisingly, Across the state of Indiana, we are the largest city tournament when it comes to the area is concerned. And if you take a look at the population numbers as far as Fort Wayne proper versus cities our size versus other cities our size and even the amount of participants per city population, we're actually one of the highest in the country, of course, for many years. The Detroit Association was one of the biggest, but when it comes to population overall versus how many people carry USBC memberships across Fort Wayne, we're one of the biggest populations, and it's always cool to see not only Fort Wayne bowlers competing in the city tournament, but also coming up next month, uh, the state tournament going to be kicking off down in Richmond as well. And how many uh, participants will you have uh, for these events? Well, it's actually a little bit of a rough number because there is a rule to where you can participate more than once in the doubles competition. You can do it with partner one, and then you can enter a second time with a second partner. And then also for team event, you can also participate multiple times. The only competition that you cannot participate in more than once is the singles competition. So. Getting a rough estimate as far as total participants is always a little bit rough, but i got to tell you, last weekend, 30 lanes were being used at MVP lanes as Mm. far as singles and doubles pairs. There were six people per pair, three people per lane, so (laughs) you can go ahead and figure up the math from there, and then obviously five per pair at Thunder Bowl. That was another 30 full lanes there on Sunday, so definitely a busy time, and it's good to see everybody out in full force, especially to kick off the tournament with a lot of high scores that got thrown. I wasn't very good at math in college, so I'll leave the calculations to those out there in the <laughs> listening audience. When you look at some of the potential favorites uh, coming in, especially like in maybe the open divisions, who are some names that maybe the local uh, base here in the area should pay attention to? Well, as far as the locals that are now concerned, I mean, it's hard to not shy away from a guy that still carries a uh, PBA professional card that is participating this year and actually recently relocated to Fort Wayne about a year and a half ago. P- recently inducted PBA Hall of Famer Wes Malott will be competing. In fact, Wes won a portion of the doubles event last year with his partner, A.J. Bruner. This year, Dawson Miller is another favorite. He shot big scores this past weekend, both MVP and Thunderbolt. Wes will be in competition again, I believe, in another doubles pairing and as well as another team pairing. So a lot of high scores, a lot of big names. And then, of course, you have the Fort Wayne Staples. You have the likes of uh, John Henry Jr. that shot pretty well last past weekend. Indiana Tech men's coach Doug Cutler is also participating. He had some big scores. His wife, Erica Cutler, who is actually the president of the Fort Wayne USBC chapter, also shot some big scores this past weekend. So it's really cool to see. Um, it's a lot of cases a family affair when it comes to the legacy that is mm-hmm. bowling in Fort Wayne, but there's a lot of big talent, a lot of big scores that take place. 
a lot of early numbers had scores up even in the close to the 800 series range in a couple wow. of the competitions and a lot of high 700 series. So it's going to take, definitely take a big number to win this year's tournament. In fact, I get my singles and double shift coming up tomorrow at MVP and then our team event for our team coming up on Sunday. So we know what we got to aim for and it's going to be a tall <laughs> task, especially with some of the numbers that kept put up last weekend. Well, you just got to make sure you get a good night's rest, right? And you, and you hydrate, 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 hydrate. What about? We're, yeah, we're we're saying I got to get a good night's rest, and don't forget I'm hosting the post game show tonight. That's the, right. Uh, Sports Medicine High School Basketball Post Game Show. I'll be up <laughs> late anyway. Yeah, you you and Dude handling those uh, duties out at uh, Pine Valley Pizza Hut right after the big Homestead Northrop uh, contest. Yeah, you can catch Michael out there with Eric Dute Dukevich giving you the scores of all the area basketball scores, or. Ask him about the city bowling championship. Michael, before we uh, let you go here, if people wanted to find a little bit more info out about uh, the championships and stuff, where can they go? You can go online to fortwaynebowling.com. That's the official website of the Greater Fort Wayne chapter of the USBC. All the information is there. Tournament entry blanks have been taken off because the tournament entry deadline did close prior to the start of the tournament, but there is information on there about upcoming tournaments. There's information on there about the history of the association, upcoming events as well that the association is putting on. And also you can find the association on Facebook. Just look up Greater Fort Wayne USBC. And then there's also a group, just Fort Wayne Bowling is the best thing to search for. If you're looking to possibly get back in the game, if you're somebody that's looking just to get into the game to have fun, if you're looking for a little bit more competitive side, great resources out there to try to spread the game. And, you know, there's a lot of us that love it. In a lot of cases, it's kind of, I hate to say it this way, it's kind of got a reputation of almost being golf's little brother in some cases. But (laughs) in a lot of cases, uh, we're always looking for new members and anybody that wants to come out and enjoy it, especially during the wintertime when it's snowing and we can't get on the golf course, we're always looking for new members and we're here to help. Well, that that's uh, that's very nice, and uh, my bowling days are long behind me. My rotator cuff surgery kind of took that away from me. But Michael, thanks for filling us in on the city bowling championships taking place now and through the next couple of weeks. You can find all that information online as we spoke to. But Michael, good luck in the tournament, and we'll catch you tonight after all the high school basketball. Thanks for having me on, Shannon. Deeply appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys tonight. All right. That was Michael McIntyre talking about the City Bowling Championships here on the Sports Rush. We're going to step aside. We'll be right back with more of the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush. Heading into the weekend here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Let's talk a little Colts head coaching search and maybe some other topics that may come into play with our friend from Indy. You can catch him at KentSterling.com. And now joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline is Mr. Kent Sterling. Kent, thanks for joining us. I'm good. How are you doing, Shannon? I am, well, so far so good. A little cold up here north. We had a little bit of brisk snow passed through and we were a little concerned that it was going to last more than it w- was supposed to but so far so good i'm ready for warm weather <laughs> yeah yeah i'm just i'm ready to to pack some clothes in the car and drive south till i feel heat that's right that's right well you know this is the biggest topic going on on all the sports radio shows throughout the state of indiana is this colts head coaching search and i you know 
I think we're all well aware that Jim Ursay would probably end it today and nominate Jeff Saturday for his head coaching position. But that's not a given by all those involved in this search. Not everyone is kind of in the boat per se. And then you have a fan starting a petition that says no Jeff Saturday. So impart some <laughs> wisdom on us, uh, Colt faithful in this uh, craziness that we call a coaching search. Well, I, I don't think that the... <laughs> I don't think the petition is going to achieve its, uh, <laughs> it, it, its hoped-for result. I, it, it, God bless people who go on choice.org and, and try to get that th- kind of thing done and, and gather some, some momentum to change uh, a man's mind. But changing a billionaire's mind is going to take more than 4,000 signatures at change.org. <laughs> um, if Jim Ursay wants to hire Jeff Saturday, he's going to hire Jeff Saturday. And I think one of the interesting parts of this whole equation is that his daughters have been involved yep. in the opening round of interviews, but he is not. And and so I think that maybe his daughters, are who eventually are going to wind up running the team, uh, you know, if Jim Ursay ever decides that he doesn't want to do it anymore or mm-hmm. he passes, as people tend to do, um, you know, it, it, they might be able to talk to him and talk some sense into him and get him to hire somebody who's actually qualified for the position. You know, being a good person and being a, a an honest guy, and Jeff Saturday is, Jeff Saturday is one of the best people I've ever met. He is mm-hmm. just a wonderful human being. But I wouldn't hire him as a coach. I'd hire him as a media guy. You don't need to be real qualified to be a media guy, but mm-hmm. to be a coach, you, you've got to have some background in coaching, mm-hmm. not just playing, not just snapping the football to Peyton. And and hopefully somebody is able to prevail upon him and get him to understand the need not to hire based upon cult of personality, but based upon you know a background in you know Kyle Shanahan is a really really good coach. He knows a lot about offensive football, and, and Mike Kafka is, and, mm-hmm. and Callahan is, and, you know, Eric Bieniemy has been toiling in Kansas City as an offensive coordinator for a really dynamic offense for a long time. And Jeff Saturday, you know, they pulled out of Bristol and, and had him come to Indy, and he went 1-7, and seven, gave up the biggest lead in the history of the NFL, the biggest comeback win ever, and gave up 32, 33 points in a fourth quarter to the Cowboys. I'm not sure what it is other than the the previous relationship, kind of the nepotism, mm-hmm. the franchise nepotism that Saturday has with, with Ursay that would drive somebody to hire. And you know what? Not to go off on a rant about the Rooney rule, but this is exactly the kind of hire that the Rooney rule is, is supposed to dissuade people from making. You know, it, it's... You can't just hire who you like and and who's like you and with whom you have a shared background. Mm-hmm. You've got to go out and hire the right people for the job, whether they're black, white, Hispanic, whatever. And and Jim Ursay is is kind of flaunting that rule by perhaps by interviewing as many people as he is trying to provide cover for him doing exactly what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's a shame. I, I don't think that's good stewardship of the franchise. Well, and exactly right. Carolina's going to have their hands full with that situation, with what they did with yes. Iron Frank Wright. 
with Wilkes, who had been the head coach at Arizona, which he has a lawsuit against. They may just add Carolina to that to that same lawsuit for that exact reason. And he has a like talking earlier. He does have a, a beef with that because he took over a one and four team and finished six and six and almost got him into the playoffs. So, with that yep. with that being said, here's kind of you know if he hires Jeff Saturday, let's just let's just assume that's the the plan. How can Chris Ballard remain the GM because he's not. I, I would not think that he's on board with that hire. I mean, I just you know, don't, I, I, don't, I don't see how that, ha- you know, I can't see him continuing in that situation. He is definitely not on board with it. He wasn't on board with making Jeff the interim coach. He's certainly not going to be on board with making him the permanent head coach. Uh, I worked with a guy in, in radio management who used to say, listen, you know what? Here's how you stay in your position. They can't feed you enough excrement. He used a different, <laughs> a different word. And he was a grinder, this guy was. And he grinded and grinded and grinded. And it drove him nuts. And eventually he left the business. But that, I think, is that's Chris Ballard. I mean, he's got a kid who is a quarterback at Westfield. They really like the community. Mm-hmm. The kids are kind of dug in. He's got a lot of kids. He doesn't want to uproot him. There's only one job in the state of Indiana that he would want, and he's got it already. If he loses that job or walks away from that job, they're going to have to go someplace else. Right. And I don't think he wants to do that. I think he wants to stay here, and he doesn't want to put the future of his family. He doesn't want to petulantly make a decision that adversely affects his kids. Sure. I think that's the way it's best put. And, and so he's going to continue to eat as much of that stuff as he possibly can stomach. And, and at some point, either his head's going to pop off or, <laughs> or he's going to find meditation or therapy. And, and he's going to find a way to get through all these tomorrows that are coming right. with a boss that's, you know, just kind of off the hook. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I think one recommendation, if you want, Jeff Saturday to be involved with the Colts, making him assistant GM, make him learn the business from A to Z before you throw him into the fire, so to speak. Do something other than saying, "Here you go." And we saw that, you know, that uh, during the latter part of the season. But I agree with you; he's not what they need at this point. Now, Dan Quinn withdraws his name uh, the other day. You know, I mean, Jerry Jones probably threw him some more breadcrumbs or something that kept him out of the uh, out of it. They just announced, I think, Wink Martindale is going to be uh, another interview. Now, we've all sit yep. here and said that what the Colts need is a young, uh, offensive-minded head coach that can groom a, a, a young quarterback. But in these second interviews... It's predominantly a defensive flavor. What what do you make of that? Well, I, I don't think it's a very good idea. You know, I, I, I don't think that hiring a defensive coordinator is, is something that, at least the way the NFL is today, looks like it's going to be a successful kind of mode of operation. You've got four coaches still in the playoffs right now and all had an offensive background before getting their head coaching job. Um, the last, I think, the last six or eight Super Bowl coaches have been former offensive coordinators. 
And and that's just the way this thing's going. And and whether you look at Taylor at Cincinnati or you look at Shanahan with the 49ers, you know, the these guys are really good coaches and they they are developing offenses that are more and more difficult to scheme against and that's where you win. You know, you you win with an outstanding offense and you got to play defense and you hope you get get some turnovers, but the game's won through playing good offensive football and being creative on the offensive side. And so a guy like Mike Kafka or Callahan mm-hmm. or Stecken, these guys are really good coaches, and they're up-and-comers, and, and maybe you get lucky, and you get the next Zach Taylor or, or the next Shanahan. Right. You know, you can hope that you're able to do it, and, and if you don't, you're going to be at square one in four years again, but you may as well take your shot. You know, this is a, this is a franchise that has played it really, really safe under Chris Ballard. Mm-hmm. You know, they have not gone out on a limb and pushed their chips into the middle of the table, really, ever. They, they've gone safe with quarterbacks over and over again. They went safe with Frank Reich, and as Carolina has, and they're going to figure it out. I keep trying to talk Panthers fans kind of uh, either off the, le- off the ledge or off, you know, the celebratory stance that they've taken because he's a 7-9, and 9-7, nine, nine and well, now, eight and nine, nine and eight mm-hmm. type coach. He's, he's a mediocre coach and that's what he's going to prove to be in Carolina. Um, and the, the Colts have got to go out on a skinny limb at some point and bet on somebody. And, and you know, whether that's a quarterback, hopefully it is in the draft with a fourth overall pick, if they don't move up and with a coach, I, take a shot, bring a guy in here. I I'm tired of, you know, the Chuck Pagano's and Frank Reich's of the world coming in here and, and doing mediocre work. I, I just don't mm-hmm. see it as as a sustainable way of doing business in Indianapolis. Well, and just to remind the audience, too, some of these offensive coaches are still involved in the playoffs and maybe a Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks, so they're not going to be able to have any type of communication here uh, with those potential candidates. Uh, it's a short-windowed time frame. Uh, after we get by this week. So that may be where they're waiting for some of that offensive flavor to come into the equation. Um, you know, because I think you're right. I think, you know, they've got a first round draft pick. They're going to find ways to potentially move up. They're going to draft. They, I think they have to draft a quarterback um, and take their chances with uh, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or whoever they feel fits that best. Uh, uh, pick for them, but I'm, I'm kind of with you now. It's time to start rolling the dice a little bit and hopefully catch lightning in a bottle. The rules for the second interview are a little confusing. Yes. They would be unable to, to interview D'Amico Ryans next week if they're still playing, if the 49ers are still playing, right. because he never went through a first interview. But the other guys, uh, whether it's Callahan with a, with a Bengals or whether it's the enemy with the Chiefs, they would be able to interview next week because they've already had their initial interviews. So it's they won't they'll only have to wait until after the Super Bowl if the 49ers make it with D'Amico Ryan's. Mm-hmm. But they've they've got to find a way to go get a the real right guy. And and to do that, you gotta take a chance that you go out and you might wind up with the real wrong guy. Right. And maybe Mike Kafka at, what is he, 35. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's not ready. Maybe Stecken at 37. 
Maybe mm-hmm. he's not ready. But you know what? McVeigh was and Shanahan was. So take your shot because this, this is your chance to get it right. And to get it safe is not going to get it right. And you're not going to be dynamic. And trading out of the first round, trading down, which the Colts ha- have done yeah. periodically, is not a way to get dynamic talent. And they got to get dynamic on the offensive side of the ball because that's where they're lacking. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm in full uh, agreement with you on that one. One quick thing here before we go. IU basketball on a big uh, big win the other night at Minnesota. I call it a win as a win is a win, even if it's ugly. But I got Ohio State coming up. But in a couple games, they have the Purdue Boilermakers that are going to come into town. What's your take on the Hoosiers right now? I really like where they're at. If Trace Jackson Davis can continue to play at this level, which is tough, because Chris Holtman's no idiot. Like it's not going to do. It's not going to take till halftime for Chris Holtman to figure out that everything runs through Trace Jackson Davis, and he's averaging like twenty four point four and fourteen mm-hmm. since the since the first of the year. You know, Indiana is in a position against Ohio State where they can they can create a, a victory that they're going to need. You, you, if they win this game, you win this game, the next four are really tough, including a road game at Maryland and that game you talked about at Purdue or against Purdue at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. You've you got to find a way to stack as many wins as you can, and that means holding court at home and making sure that, that you, you, know, you take advantage of the opportunities when they come. It, it's just a matter, I think, of, of stopping sensible a little bit tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And, and figuring out how to get the ball to Trace where he can do some damage with it. And you hope that Bates and Galloway continue to hit threes and Cop yep. hits a couple of threes. And then you can beat a team that's ripe for the taking. They've lost six or seven, Ohio State has. So let's hope for the best. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think Cop's a kid that's come along here late, was big last night or the other night against Minnesota. But we're all, yep. but if they come off of win Saturday uh, against Ohio State, Assembly Hall will be jam-packed and rocking for the Purdue Boilermakers coming to town, especially if they retain the number one ranking, which it looks like they probably will. Kent, it's a pleasure talking to you again. Have a great weekend, my friend. Thanks, Shannon. You too. Stay warm. All righty. That's Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com. Thanks for joining us here today. We're going to step aside. We'll be back in a few minutes here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan. 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush here on Friday afternoon. Heading into the weekend. Good little first hour there. Little had Michael McIntyre talking about the city bowling uh, championships that are going on in the Summit City. And just finished up talking with Kent Sterling, who is always, always a good person to have on to talk about Colts or IU basketball. And, you know, before we jump in to the second hour here in a few minutes, the big games tonight, we've got our game of the week, uh, Homestead at Northrop. We'll have that pregame starting around, what, 5.55-ish? Yep, right around 5.55, 5.56. We'll be on the air for the pregame of the girls game of the doubleheader matchup that we have for you tonight on air. And Caleb Hatch is, is uh, calling that game. Yep. And then some other big ones in the air. Carroll, boys at Snyder. You got Concordia at Northside. Dwanger at Southside. Lures at Wayne. And then, of course, we talked about Homestead at Northrop. Those are some big games in the Summit City tonight. 
uh, Cherubusco up in my neck of woods is at Central Noble uh, this evening. So if you're heading out to the ball games tonight, be careful. The road still can be a little slippery with the way the wind's been blowing around. But uh, I want to thank our first hour guest for joining us. We're going to be right back here in a few minutes to kick off the second hour and take you into the weekend here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM.